0: Bridges to Bailey, back to Bridges, once more to Bailey, now it's Bridges, here's Bailey, oh my, Bridges, Bailey, Bailey, Bridges, and they scored! Last play of the game, 98 yards to go, and these boys ain't got no more hope than a pig in a parlor. Pitch goes to the right, defense closing in, and he's floating, he's in the air, a human being is taking flight, he's flying to the 50, the end zone, touchdown, the pig is at the Oh, sacré il est fort sans pied. Il utilise ses mains. Sans pied? Un Un disgrace. Oh, what's this? He's thrown it back. This could change the sport. A terrible day for fishing. A great day for the fish. This is Apocalypse Sports Radio. And now your host, Shane Ryan! Okay, episode number 16. This is Shane. So this past weekend, I was in Hilton Head, South Carolina. I went down for the RBC Heritage. Somewhat against my better judgment. uh, Nobody asked me to go. (laughs) Nobody wanted me to go. Uh, But I was able to finagle a credential. And you know, part of the reason why is that I'm writing this Ryder Cup book this year. And I thought, okay, as long as the PGA of America says the Ryder Cup is happening, I have to cover the season as though it's true. And so, you know, this tournament was within driving distance. So I figure I've got to go if I can. Uh, great irony there being the minute I got back on Monday, the Guardian reported that the Ryder Cup is going to be postponed to 2021. Uh, it hasn't been officially confirmed yet, but uh, if I got COVID and <laughs> and then it got postponed, that will be a cruel and bitter irony, uh, but anyway, it was good to go down there. I also wanted just to see golf. Uh, you know, seeing Bryson DeChambeau uh, hit a ball in person was neat. Uh, you know, Project Beef up in person is is worth witnessing, and I, you know, I think I got a couple good stories out of it. I'll link them when I put this up. One about uh, DeChambeau on Saturday, and one about watching Webb Simpson win on Sunday. So it was, a, it was a good experience overall. Uh, again, I'm not sure it was like the smartest thing in the world for me to go or the most necessary thing, but I'm, I'm basically glad I did at this point. Uh, and so I'm going to talk about that. And the great news is that I've got ESPN's Bob Harry to agree to come on. Um, it was nice to catch up with Bob at Hilton Head. And, you know, he's somebody that if you're in the world of golf, you've read his stories a million times. He's a great writer, uh, a great resource to have. He works for ESPN and has for a number of years uh one of the pros pros and a, a longtime veteran in this in this biz. And so yeah, so Bob and I spoke for about a half hour just about the tournament, about the PGA tour restart, a little bit about the Ryder Cup. So let's get right to that. Uh just the quick pitch for Apocalypse Sports Network. You know the deal. Two podcasts per week and uh five blog posts per week. Three dollars a month gets you all of it. Some of the content is free. Um just from the start and others can be unlocked by becoming a member at patreon.com slash apocalypse sports. All right, let's get right to it. Uh, up next, you will hear Bob Herrig. All right. Very happy to have Bob Herrig here. Bob, how are you? Very good. Thanks Shane. So we, uh, we both just got back from Hilton head. So the first big question, do you feel any chills, fevers, uh, <laughs> any changes at all in your health <laughs> in the last 24 hours?
1: No, thankfully, I feel okay. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I wasn't too worried about it. I, um, for the most part, I think I, I did okay. Then again, you just never know anyway, right, with this thing. So um,
0: yeah,
1: our fingers crossed and trying to be, um, you know, as safe as possible while going about our business.
0: Yeah, exactly. I know I'm, I'm in that position now where I, I think I'm fine, but I'm going to feel really stupid. Uh, if I caught it and have to expose my family to it. So, um, so you've now been at the colonial and Hilton head. Uh, I was at Hilton head, but, um, you know, you've covered about 15,000 times more golf tournaments than I have ever. So I want to ask a broad question. Hopefully it's not too broad first, but what is your general perception of how this is working? Having seen two of these things now?
1: Well, actually, I, I should say I Hilton Head was my first one. I did not go to Colonial. Oh,
0: I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought yeah. you were at Colonial. I know we had yeah. talked about it on DM. Well, there you go.
1: In the in the early uh, in the early stages of this, we are not getting on planes. So so it's, it's
0: driving distance, right?
1: So I I drove to Hilton Head. Um, obviously, I watched Colonial very closely. Um, now saw one um, for myself. And look, you know, I think they're doing the best they can under the circumstances. Um, it's just monumental tasks to pull this off when you're trying to, I mean, running a golf tournament itself is enough. Now you add all these other elements, um, trying to keep people safe, trying to handle it from the media perspective, getting it televised. <clears throat> if you're going to do this, they need to do the things that they normally do, like keep track of all the stats, shot yeah. links, right. a bunch of people associated with that Um, and you know under the circumstances again I think it's I think they're doing fine I mean it's um, it's it's an imperfect thing that we're dealing with here they could take every step in the world and still there could be issues with people getting catching the virus and I think that's the risk that they're all willing to take I think all the sports leagues are looking at that and going there's going to be some risk the difference with golf though is that unlike a team sport, if one or two players on a team gets it, now you're worrying about infecting the rest of the team. Right. What if it's a star player? You know, whereas in golf, because they're all independent contractors, you know, as, as, as sort of brusque as it sounds, the show can go on if somebody else can't. So to me that makes it easier almost for them to keep going.
0: And that's a question I wanted to ask you, too, because I didn't get there until Friday night and I wasn't at the course until Saturday. Um, It's not easy for us with with the way they have the media kind of cordoned off, you know, as they should, for understandable reasons. It's not easy for us to get a sense of what players are thinking. Um, Not as easy as it used to be. But did you sense any atmospheric change or any attitude change uh, after the positive test came through? Was it any different on Saturday and Sunday than what you had seen earlier in the week?
1: Well, they certainly talked differently about it. Um, you know, just a couple of days before, they were all, uh, you know, uh, very, very much buoyed by the fact that there hadn't been a single positive test yet right. out of 500 and some tests over over two weeks. Then one player gets it. He was at the course. Um, you see what happened in the area, and and this is also, you know, I I think we we realize now that Nick Watney did nothing. Uh, he, he, he did nothing wrong in terms of, uh, the way he conducted himself in, 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 the, in, when he got there, by all indications, he was, he was being very safe. He wasn't going out. He was eating at his place. Uh, and he was following the guidelines as best as possible. And even going to the course, the rules allow you to do that while you're awaiting a test result. You just can't go in the clubhouse or in the locker room. And so, um, but I definitely got the sense that they, um, that the that the players is, saw this as a bit of a wake up call. Uh, even though th- this could have happened without them doing anything else differently, I think it was a, a wake up call. Like, look, we look how easily this happened. He was out here; it it could have spread. Maybe we have to do a better job of distancing, and we better probably be you know more responsible when we're away from the courts.
0: Yeah, and I think you saw, you know, Webb Simpson said something to that effect where it's not like he was being incautious and cavalier beforehand, but the reality of it did sort of, I don't know, make him more focused or maybe that's the best way to put it. Um, and also, yeah, it, it is a funny thing, isn't it? Because there there was no way that there was not going to be a positive test at some point, but it's oh. almost like going through a whole week at Colonial, uh, maybe against the odds a little bit and having no positive tests do you think that led to a false expectation in some way or no question? Yeah. And so when the other, when the other shoe fell, it was a little bit harder than maybe it would have been if they had immediately gotten a test at colonial or something.
1: It was a, it was a question that came up, you know, like they, they, they couldn't get complacent and I'm not sure anybody necessarily did get complacent. Although I think in their own minds, they knew that they may have been and the ones who didn't get it are maybe fortunate. The, The other thing I'll say is, and I think maybe this is the case with all of us. I think getting a te- a negative test on Monday, Tuesday, whenever they, whenever they're doing it, some of the guys had it Saturday before they traveled. Mm-hmm. I think that gave them a false sense of security. Yeah. All right. So it, I, I know in my own mind, I was thinking to myself, if the player and the caddy were te- tested negative, what's wrong with them being in close contact with each other? Right. Well, all, what we're learning is, is all that meant is at that point in time they didn't have it. This, the, yeah. the, they could have actually contracted it two days before, and the um, the the you know the uh, the symptoms didn't kick in yet. There's an incubation period. That's why this thing is so hard, and that's why even if you've been tested, you need to sort of make sure that you you follow the protocols and keep your distance, and wash your hands, and wear a mask indoors. And and you know I'll be the first to admit I, I violate some of these things myself. Yeah, I'm trying my best. And yet you don't always do it when you should.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, I had just noticed some things in myself this past weekend where (laughs) I didn't even intend to do something wrong, but all of a sudden you're, you know, you're leaving the bathroom and you go, I didn't put my mask on that whole time. Or, you know, just little things like that, that are, it's hard to be a hundred percent compliant, even if that's your intent from the beginning. Um, And something you said before, I I thought was interesting of uh, this concept that it's an imperfect system, but it's not for lack of trying on the tourist part or anybody's part. It's just that this virus exists in such a way where, as you said, you can be asymptomatic but still have it and still be able to spread it to people. There's only so much control you have. And I guess what I wanted to ask you on that front is, despite them doing everything right, and I think they're running a good show there, does the golf seem precarious to you? Does this whole thing seem like it could be taken away with one bad week? For example, if we go to Connecticut and there's 14 positive tests or something like that.
1: I think it's possible, although it's less likely in golf than that is in a team sport. True. It depends on who the positive tests are. I think it depends on if there's a bunch at one time and it's, it includes a bunch of players, you know, because then all of a sudden, then now you're saying, all right, all right, now we have a bunch of our members that can't play. They have to be shut down for two weeks. How many people did they possibly spread it to? And this is why, you know, it's on the players to. To uh, you know, to really do a a good job of being vigilant, Uh, you know, and they could close some of these loopholes. I think it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world to have one single hotel and tell them that they need to stay there when they're not at the course. Now, I don't know that these guys want to abide by that, but that's what they're doing on the European tour when they come back. You know, and and they're they're just they're just saying, look, you know, your chances of getting anything. Having any issues are less if you're in one place. You take all your meals from there, you know, and you stay away from each other. So, um, but yeah, I mean, could it shut it down? This this question has come up. It's come up to tour officials, and they don't have a great answer on that. I, I think again, this this is where the personal responsibility really comes into play, because unlike with a team, like a basketball team, where you know they might be able to control those fifteen guys and the five assistant coaches and all and you know, the support personnel, which is up to 30, you're trying to control 150 players and 150 caddies, and some of them change from week to week. Yeah. So that is that is a much harder task, I think, in terms of keeping that all contained. And it requires them to, you know, it's almost like, look, they call rules violations on themselves. They're not being watched every second.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. They've got to sort of, you know, they, yeah. they're, they've got to be the ones to, 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 sort of maintain themselves.
0: You know, And you said before a sport like, you know, basketball, it can spread so much more quickly just because of the nature of the game. But then when you look at what the NBA is doing, they are doing what you said, which is essentially making a huge bubble for themselves because they know that one little mistake and it could spread like wildfire through the whole league. Um, PGA Tour, player accountability is everything. And what strikes me about that and what's tough about it almost seems impossible to me with 150 people who are coming from all different kinds of backgrounds, different levels of being scrupulous about the disease, different political beliefs, right? So, so some people may not take this as seriously as others. That, that's a tall task, and it really is a, a, a choice almost, it seems, Bob, between doing what you said, which is having very strict guidelines about how you get there, where you can stay, and all that, versus just crossing your fingers in some way
1: yeah I mean, and to your point about some people might not feel it's as serious as others, the tour has has a looser restrictions to to appease them you know basically it's it's we're te- we're not telling you you have to be locked down. We're not telling you you have to stay in place right We're telling you that you're on your own when you leave here. here's what we expect you to do and now hopefully you'll do it <laughs> um, but again, to the person who says, Hey, look, I'm going to live my life and I don't really, I'm not really too worried about this and you live yours. That doesn't work in this situation. Yeah. This does not. I mean, because, because the person who acts that way and gets it now, now it possibly endangers others. And if you spread it to somebody else, you're affecting his livelihood, a caddy, another player. If they get it, they're going to have to shut down, you know, uh, you know, look at uh, uh, you know Nick Watney, who's now he's sitting in South Carolina for ten days. Mm-hmm. You know that takes him out of two tournaments. Yeah, uh, and and you know he and his caddy, you know his caddy now can't work. Uh, so it's it's serious. You know, so but so the ones who who aren't worried about getting it, well, if they do get it, now you've run the risk of taking it to somebody else, and that's where that's where we're in this whole dilemma in the country about how serious this is, how much we should open. I'm fine with opening. I just think people need to take it more seriously and learn to not put themselves in danger. And that goes for these guys, so they don't put others in danger.
0: Yeah. The the concept of trusting people makes me nervous. (laughs) The concept of like success depends on trusting all these people. Uh, That's, and and I don't just mean in golf. I mean, societally as well. Um, Real quick on that note, Sergio Garcia had, you know, one of the most talked about quotes of the week where he said, I'm paraphrasing, but basically he said that other people deserve to have COVID more than Nick Watney did. Um, My good faith interpretation of that is that he meant Nick was doing the right things. He was being cautious, He wasn't, you know, being risky or anything like that and that other people had been and deserve is the word that it's hard to dance around. But I think what he meant is that if somebody was going to get it, it shouldn't have been Nick. Nick shouldn't have been the one because he was doing everything right and other people maybe should have been more prone to it. Am I being overly generous there?
1: Now, I, I think that's the way, I think that's the way to look at it. Cause he later then did say, hopefully nobody else gets it. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's was really wishing it on somebody. <laughs>
0: right. Right.
1: I that, you know, I think to your point that came out a little bit differently than intended. He's basically saying, look, if you, if you looked at the behavior of certain people, the way these guys acted was they deserved to get it compared to the way he acted, but he got it and they didn't. Yeah. And I think that's what he means. And, You know, it's, look, it's quite possible that Nick Watney brought this from home. He, he missed the cut at Colonial. He was, went home for the weekend to Austin, drove home from, from uh, Fort Worth, and then he didn't leave until Tuesday. So in theory, he's home for four, three, four days. It's quite possible in his interaction, something happened there. But again, like on Tuesday, if the incubation period hasn't passed, he, he, he tests negative. Yeah. Then you know, a couple days later, he he's positive. The lucky thing is, is he's probably he probably has a mild case of it because he was on an airplane with Sergio. Sergio's Sergio and his caddy tested negative, uh, and as and so did so did Nick's caddy. So you know, uh, maybe we dodged a bullet there. Yeah. Uh, but to your point, no, I I think Sergio. Exa- the way you laid it out is exactly the way he meant it.
0: Okay, good. <laughs> I didn't want you didn't want to give him a break if he doesn't deserve it, but I think uh, I think he does in that case. Uh, and just on that note, I think it is important also to note that it can take a couple days sometimes for these tests to come out positive. So the fact that Sergio tested negative and Watney's caddy and his playing partners is good, but it's not definitive yet. Um, yeah, just something to to note there. So all right, uh, let's talk about the tournament a little bit. Webb Simpson won. Um, I went out there and sweated like crazy for two hours to watch the, the final nine holes. Um, he's a guy who obviously is playing great now. I've covered him you know, to some extent over the, the short time I've been out in tour. Uh, he seems nondescript to me. I wouldn't be able to, to really like pin down who Webb Simpson is, but I think maybe you can. You've had more experience with it. What is it that makes Webb Simpson tick? What makes him so good, and you know, what's the story behind, behind him, really?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just think he's a guy who who uh, who doesn't have all the physical tools. Uh, obviously, he can't hit it like Brooks and Rory and right. and and uh, you know now Bryson and some of these other guys. But uh, you know, he's got some some work ethic about him, and he works hard on his swing and dials in his irons. And he has worked really, really hard to overcome the issue that he had when they when they took away the uh, well the, when you when you were no longer able to anchor a putter. Right. right. I mean, I think that he's now such a good putter when he when he struggled so much after they changed that rule. I just think he's put in a lot of work and he's he's worked hard to learn what his strengths are and he plays to them. And he has a caddy who who is really really invested. And what the two of them do, Paul Tassori. like you, you watch them, you hear them out there talking. They they talk about everything, sometimes to the point of saying, "Really, they talked about that?" It seems <laughs> yeah. odd, but they do, and they're they're very much a team. And Tesori knows his game, and it's it. Uh, uh, I think it really works, you know. And and Webb has played really really well now in some big big tournaments. Obviously, one of majors, one of the players, he won a playoff event um you know he's been on Ryder Cup teams uh and so uh it's uh it's a it's a I think it's a a mark of a guy who's really kind of turned the corner here in the last year uh you know it's quietly he's been up there in the top 10 for a while yeah second win of this season and now he's uh you know here he here he is fifth in the world it's pretty impressive
0: and the, the putting was spectacular. I, I don't know if he'll ever have a better putting week uh than he had this week. It was really something. Do you think he is the player at this point who has made the best transition? Uh the players who used to anchor and now can't do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he he, he comes to mind as the best. I mean, you think of a guy like Adam Scott who still struggles with it. I think Keegan Bradley still struggles with it. Right. Um, you know, it's it it has it's really been and, and and you think about it, um, I was all in favor of that of that change, but I, I I wonder about it now when you can when you see how much it's impacted some of these guys, uh, because I think inevitably what happens is they spend so much time tinkering to figure out what works
0: mm-hmm.
1: and other parts of their game slip. Right. It's just inevitable. You put in time here, you're not doing it there, and you know that's it's a little bit unfair. I think you know they there was never any indication way back that this rule was ever going to be changed. And, um, you know, you wonder like, could it have been grandfathered in or something like that? Or, or in five years or 10 years, we're going to get rid of it. Something yeah, like, yeah. That. Um, but I mean, and I say that I was one who thought we shouldn't anchor. Like I thought that because, cause there was, there was no, there was, there was no proof that it actually w- made you better. Like, a lot of guys still were poor putters anchoring. Right, right. It's in your head that it's better. That matters. And by the governing bodies just didn't want people growing up doing that. Mm-hmm. They felt that, that, you know, that wasn't a true golf stroke, and I get that. But, man, when I look at some of these guys and see what they've had to go through, I mean, Webb really kind of had some rough years there. Yeah. And a lot of it had to do with because he just couldn't putt.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I tended to agree with you originally, you know, you shouldn't in my mind, you shouldn't evaluate whether something should be allowed or not based on whether it helps. It, it should be about the legality uh, you know, <laughs> it, or whether it's against the spirit of the rules or what have you. But, yeah, no, all of those guys struggled. And Webb obviously has found the answer. But um, but some people have not and some people probably will not. Uh, One thing that I was a part of, and uh, Doug Ferguson sort of subtly called me out for it at the end, was uh, Webb played for three days with Bryson. And I was one of the people who asked Webb a question about Bryson, even as Webb had a better chance to win the tournament. Um, So it was kind of a funny dynamic this week because Bryson was sort of the talk of the tournament besides Watney. Um, But here comes Webb, almost like a brain over brawn type thing. Uh, Not that Bryson's dumb or anything like that, but here's a guy who doesn't have, you know, Bryson's physical gifts but comes and wins anyway. Um, What did you make of that this week?
1: I think it's just a great example of how you know you you can get it done without power, and uh, uh, you know Webb is getting it done without the same power game. You know now obviously that's a course that's not as much suited to power, and that might have something to do with it. Um, but uh, you know he's obviously worked his way around some courses where where it helps a lot to hit it far, and and he he gets it done another way. I think it's a tribute to him. I also think. It's a great example of why a course like that works. Yeah, you know, like a seven thousand yard course, which is deemed short today, it can still. I mean, I realize they shot really, really low, but I think that has more to do with the time of year. When that tournament's played in April, the weather's different. It's not so hot. It's windier. There may
0: be wind. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, and obviously, when it's so hot, they've got to water it. The cor- it's going to be softer. Mm-hmm. But, but that said, you know, it's still. Um, it still presents some challenges that I think are, 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 you know, that, that prove that we don't have to have these monster courses every week and having you know colonial and now Harbor town, two pretty good examples of shorter courses that, that, uh, um, that, that still yields some, some competitive golf. All
0: right, Bob, last question I'll ask you uh, the Ryder cup, the news came out just a couple hours ago from you and Murray at the guardian uh, that supposedly next week, they're going to postpone, uh, officially postpone the Ryder Cup by a year and hold it in 2021. Um, as you know, and I've told you a million times, I'm incredibly biased. I really, <laughs> I really wanted to be postponed to 2021 for the good of the book that I'm writing. Uh, is it real? <laughs> tell me this is real. Uh, you know, you and Mary, I think we both agree as a good journalist, and so is James Corrigan. But we did see this story uh, in March, and it, it, it didn't transpire. So I just reassure me. Tell me this is the real deal, please. Or not.
1: I think it could be. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, it certainly, it certainly makes sense that they would postpone it, um, but I just don't think it's as easy as saying we're going to move it to next year. This is why I've been holding out, because even though the President's Cup is not anywhere near as it, it, highly regarded as the Ryder Cup, the players who play on the PGA Tour make up the Ryder Cup, or certainly the U.S. team yeah. and a good number of the European team. And the PGA Tour is not just going to stand aside and say, "Oh yeah, sure, come on and take our date," because that's the date it would have to be. They've got tournaments scheduled. The, the, the PGA of America isn't. They, they will work together to do this. Is my point. And if it doesn't work for the PGA Tour, they're going to push back. And as you know, as we've discussed, the PGA Tour just took a huge, huge financial hit this year. Mm-hmm. Thirteen weeks lost. That's TV money lost. Uh, that's, that's title sponsorship money lost. And while the players have lost money, so has the tour as an organization. That's how they subsist. You know, basically one fourth of their revenue was gone. And so now you're going to ask them next year, one of their biggest money events to postpone that for another year. Um, even though we might all think the tour has tons of money, uh, it's not an easy call. And so I, I have a feeling they're trying to figure something out. You know, maybe there's a financial consideration in play here to push it back a year, and that'd be fine. You know, and then everything else gets pushed back. Uh, but also, where does the European Tour fit into this? They dearly rec- they dearly rely on home Ryder Cups yeah. for th- to for their for their tour. So now they're going to push their they would have to push their 2022 Ryder Cup in 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 uh, Italy back a year. So now that's three more years instead of two, and they've taken a huge financial hit. So I just think there's a little bit more to it than, Hey, we're just going to delay it. And yet it very well might happen. And I think we probably all agree. it's If you can't play it with spectators and you can't have even a a decent sized crowd there, it's not the same. It wouldn't be great. And uh, I I certainly don't want it to go on with no spectators.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And you know, by the way, that European uh, tour story you wrote, I think it was in 2014 or shortly before, uh it was a great one. And I had no idea how much the European tour relied on that. And that was honestly the biggest surprise of this story for me uh, is that I thought they would be the ones pushing back the most. Um, but the PGA tour thing, another, yeah, great example. there's revenue being lost everywhere. So, yeah, it's if they can actually come to this, it's a big big decision.
1: yep, absolutely. and and we're gonna know pretty soon. I mean, they don't they don't you
0: know,
1: I just don't know if it's trending that well to be able to have spectators. yeah, you know, I mean, I still, I realize uh, it's uh, uh, it's still three months away, um, but you've got a plan for it. You, you've got to put a plan in place to even have 8, 10, 12, 15,000 out there. Are they going to be able to test them? Yeah. You know, I think we all feel that there's a chance that rapid testing could be available. Um, that's the way forward, I think, for the masters. Yeah. They, have the, they have the financial wherewithal to do that, test everybody who comes in. They might have to limit it some. Uh, and then they can have some sense of, okay, at least at this point in time, they don't have it, but there's still going to be the spacing you're going to need to do. There's going to be some things you're going to have to do at Ryder Cup. Everybody's jammed around those greens.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: So how, how do you do that? It's, it's such a, I, I feel for all these people, it's so hard, uh, to figure all this out. And, and yet. If they don't play, there's there's so many millions of dollars that, that they lose that, that they obviously need to operate.
0: Yeah, and you hate to end on a down note, but I think these are the times we're living in, so I won't try to force anything rosy or too optimistic. Bob, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Stay safe. All right. Thanks a lot. Segment break. All right. Thanks again to Bob Harry. Thanks to you for listening. This is episode number 16. Going to be back later this week. And in the meantime, if you enjoyed it, Leave a review on iTunes, tell a friend, do all the usual things. Um, If you're just listening to this podcast for the first time, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all the usual places. Thank you very much for tuning in. Have a wonderful week. And as I said to Bob, stay safe. Goodbye.